Carrie the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. We want to base this show off of what happened on Friday. We had a call uh, from, from someone who, who expressed some concern about uh, his daughter going to college and uh, basically having some things taught to her that pretty much changed her. And so, uh, man, we didn't have enough time to address what was going on because it was at the end of the show. The music was on, the disrespectful music. And so we had to, like, kind of just give an answer. we say we would talk about it again. So we have a special show lined up today um, just to talk about those issues. Miki, are you there? If you don't mind, I think we can set up the conversation with the question um, that was raised on Friday. All right. I've got a question for you. My daughter um, joined the Black Lives Matter movement in Columbus, and now she won't even talk to her family because she believes that we're all white privileged. And mm-hmm. uh, she's she's to the fact that she even believes that just because she's white that she's living a life that's wrong. Mm. And so mm. I don't know how to deal as a dad. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. to talk to her. I'm 55 hey. years old, mm-hmm. and we've always, you know, believed that God made everybody the same, not color-wise. And it, it's so confusing as yeah. a as a person how to communicate with each other now. You know, yeah. when I try to ask her you know, why she thinks the way she does. She just, it's so hateful and mean. And so oh. I thought maybe y'all could give me some advice on how to maybe talk to my daughter. She's 22 mm. and she went to college. And when she went, she came back from college, she just seen things different, mm. which I know when you're younger, you always see things a little different than people that are older, but yeah, I Todd, just, is I don't your, know how is, to deal things. Is your daughter a Christian, Todd? Yes, she was, I believe, in her heart, but now she's just, she believes that that's been wrong because the church, yep. whoever she's listening to, has just See? got her confused. Hmm. So that was the call that we got on Friday afternoon, and mm-hmm. um, that is one of those calls that uh, kind of will stick with you. And looking back on it, you know, I was kind of like, oh, man, I hate that we ran out of time, but I think it's really good that we ran out of time because it gave us the opportunity to really seek the Lord and to say, you know, to ask the Lord how we are to respond to yeah. our brother Todd. Yeah. Well, in seeking the Lord, I felt impressed upon my heart that it would be better to have a conversation about what is happening at the collegiate level and how it's affecting our kids, how it's affecting um, the next generation of the church. And so um, I invited a guest to join us so that Will the Great and I could have a conversation with her and our listening audience could sort of listen in. And I guess we could call it like a, a woke conversation. Just <laughs> honest and 
Am I cutting out? Yeah, a little bit, but keep going. Okay, just an honest and transparent look at um, critical race theory um, just proliferating. And what does it look like for this theory to spread and how does it actually affect people? And so the thing that we simply want to do is not so much preach to our audience, Mm -hmm. not so much, um, you know, tell you this is what your response must always be. But we want to allow you to listen in on a genuine, unscripted conversation Um, When you talk to a college student about what is happening on campus today as it pertains to wokeness and Mm -hmm. how it affects them. And so anyway, our guest today is Anna Avery Edwards. She is our friend and sister. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have a candid conversation, which means that um, you may be sometimes on our side and sometimes not. right? Right. You may sometimes agree with us and sometimes you may not. But I want you to hear what a conversation sounds like when you really talk about critical race theory and the implications of it and how it can affect a person as they are wrestling with this as a Christian Mm -hmm. on campus today. Anna Avery, thank you for being so patient and joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So, you know, I try not to over-spiritualize things, but I really do believe that this is spiritual, okay? Like, I mean, we can, every other show just open it up pretty much, you know, and and get going. But today, all these technical difficulties cutting in on our time. So that means that there's really an ax that we're going to swing today. And, and, and I want us, (laughs) I want us to do that for the glory of God. Um, Before we dig into this, I would like to kind of set up the discussion by asking you to paint a picture for us um, of what is happening on college campuses today, what the conversation looks like as it pertains to woke philosophy and critical race theory? Yeah, um, so from from my own experience, so I I transferred to a college, um, a Christian college, um, about two and a half years ago. And um, yeah, it came from a relatively conservative background. And so the conversation around critical race theory, I was pretty unfamiliar with um, until I got to this college. Um, But I I started having conversations both inside and outside of the classroom um, that were um, very eye-opening, but in an honestly pretty confusing way. And so I don't know, I I, I feel like I could give you just a few examples of, um, yeah, just things that I saw and experienced um, while on campus. But for example, um, I I had a friend of mine who was talking with a professor about applying for jobs post-grad, and the professor essentially said to him, if there are any um, minorities or people of color that are applying for the same position that you are, this this guy was a white male, um, then you should let them have the position even if you get it um, mm-hmm. because they are a person of color. Um, and so that, that was a really interesting moment for me of like, okay, um, <laughs> what exactly is going on here? Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's infiltrating even my potential career um, post-grad. And if this is, a, you know, a way that a lot of people are thinking, like, what what will that mean for me? Um, I also had a situation just recently kind of with everything that happened with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, um, where th- those those conversations were getting heightened, of course. Um, and I um, there, was, there was a man at my school who was a black man, and he got fired from the school. Um, and it, it was just a really tough situation. Um, I I felt it was unjust, but um, 
One, I, I posted something on Facebook in support of him because I disagreed with the reasons why he was let go. And I had um, someone confront me, a close friend of mine, who said that what I posted was a microaggression against people of color <laughs> because um, he wasn't very, she, she used the word supportive of the um, people of color on campus at our school. And so thereby, therefore, by posting that um yeah, post in support of him. I was also um, acting against or not in support of people of color on mm. our college campus. And so those are just a few Now, examples. Anna Avery, let me yeah. stop you there. <laughs> okay, let me stop you there because I just want to make sure that it is completely understood that the man who lost his position um, at your school was a, is a black man. Yes, yes. And he lost his position and there's some I guess some discussion maybe not as pertinent to this conversation yes however it appears that maybe his position on issues were maybe too conservative for some people maybe yes and I hate to use that term because we don't want to politicize this discussion although we know that there are some political implications but really I think the bigger issue is that what we're talking about is spiritual right correct but you were in support of this man yes who again happens to be black, but because his position was not the majority agreed upon position on your Christian campus. Yes. People said that your support of him was a microaggression. And could you define for us, explain to us what a microaggression is? Yeah, it, it is kind of difficult to, to define because there are a lot of instances where something could be considered a microaggression. But I think, you know, there are overt examples of aggression in society against um, that are racism against people of color um, that everyone can agree upon, you know, such as calling, you know, people certain names or yeah, just overt displays of racism. And then microaggressions are are kind of these just like hidden, I guess, um, forms of racism that we are so um, desensitized to because of being in a society that is racist. And so we will just like do or say things that are um, implicitly racist, although they might not be these overt statements that, mm. that everyone would kind of universally consider as such. So essentially your friends on Facebook were accusing you of racist conduct. And I'm using the words that our culture use, the the words that our culture will use today. You were accused of um, racism. However, micro that was, it was an accusation of racism in support of a black man. It just is that he was not the right black man. Is that, is that right? That's correct. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure that I just want to make sure that we all can understand. Yeah. Because when we talk about this, people will say you're crazy, but even as this infects the church and affects the church, we have to understand that there's almost sort of a sliding scale, you know, for like who gets to be defended and protected by critical race theory. It's not black people generally speaking, it's a certain type of thought that a certain type of black person would hold that gets protected. And when we take this break, we'll come back and we'll uh, continue this conversation. Anna Avery Edwards is our guest. We're talking woke conversation. We'll be right back. He put that hunger in your heart.
Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio, and we appreciate you bearing with us as we cover what we consider to be a very important conversation. Um, it was sparked by a question that we got at the very end of our show on Friday. You can go back and listen to the last few minutes if you want to get the context of that. Um, but basically, the, the show's topic is woke conversation, and we wanted our audience to be able to simply listen in on a conversation that Will the Great and I are having with our sister and our friend who happens to be a college student and is facing and has faced um, what I call critical race theory indoctrination, uh, the attempt, let me put it that way, the right. attempt to indoctrinate. Right. And what I think is so important about the conversation we're having today and publicly on purpose is that we're talking about a Christian school mm-hmm. and People who listen to this show, you know that what we care about most is that which affects the body of Christ. That's right. And so critical race theory is not something that is just academic. It's not something that is just present in politics. Mm-hmm. It is something that is infiltrating the infiltrating the church and affecting another. And on Friday, we got a call from a gentleman whose daughter has basically turned on the family Um, believing the family to be racist, you know, (laughs) believing that, you know, even herself, that she she is kind of, I would say, mildly disliking herself. But maybe the stronger term is hating herself Mm. because of the color of her skin, something that she cannot change about herself. And so anyway, um, thank you so much for joining us today, because hopefully you'll be able to listen in and glean from this conversation that maybe if not today (laughs) or not tomorrow, at some point, You'll be having with somebody somewhere. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that was Unspoken with Reason. Anna Avery Edwards is our guest, and she's our sister and friend. And, and this is a candid conversation, and I'm going to ask some questions to kind of guide the conversation um, and respond the way I would respond if Anna Avery and I were sitting across from each other having coffee, which we've done. Actually, okay, (laughs) Um, that's exactly the kind of response that you'll hear uh, because we can't always say that again. Six, we can't always take here are your six answers to give Mm -hmm. in this scenario. Sometimes it helps just to hear how this is happening and what some of the conversations are so that you can prayerfully consider how the Lord might want you to respond in, um, you know, one context or the other. Anna Avery, before we went to the break, you were kind of giving us, um, I don't know, kind of an overview of your introduction to, um, I guess, the manifestations of critical race theory on your Christian campus. Mm -hmm. And then also um, (laughs) learning that you're a microaggressor. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fun. Not Um, fun. What I... What I want you to do now is tell us a little bit about your kind of exposure to critical race theory coming from your professors, Mm, Um, because we're talking about a Christian campus. So I think we would be right in presuming that you've got Christian professors. Correct. Yeah. And yet critical race theory has found a home even on Christian campuses Mm. in the United States of America. What has that looked like for you? Yeah, so I was taking a course last year um, that was essentially reading the Bible through the lenses of the theologies of different people of color. So we read Asian American, Latino American, and African American theologians. Um, And so during the process of that course, I was exposed to a lot of words and um, ideologies that I hadn't been exposed to before. And I think one of one of those that um, was really striking to me was something called liberation theology, mm. which is 
essentially a conflation of um, scripture with socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. um, and is there's a term of just it's preferential to the poor. Um, So in the sense of liberation theology reads scripture through the lens of preferring the poor. And so essentially what that would mean is like the poor or the oppressed have special interpretive access to certain texts like the Exodus narrative. Um, And so we kind of learned about what what that would look like played out. Um, and, and I think that was something that was really concerning to me mm. because it essentially it is giving certain people special privilege when it comes to interpreting scripture. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And which I found slightly problematic considering, um, yeah, that we do all have the Holy Spirit. Um, but there was Come this... Come on! <laughs> Exactly right. uh, Come on. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Well, and yeah, he's the one that is interpreting scripture. And Mm -hmm. so I think when you give special license to certain groups Mm. above others, um, it kind of takes the power of interpretation out of the Holy Spirit and places it in the hands of people, um, which, yes, I, I found problematic. And so I think that is a pretty clear example to me of how critical race theory in this categorization of peoples as oppressed and oppressor and who can interpret scripture in what ways kind of played out um, in the classroom. So so initially when you're you're hearing this or you're going through the, these lessons, what is your feeling? Are you feeling certain ways inside of yourself? Like maybe, uh, man, wow. Like, you know, what are, what are those feelings that you initially have? Yeah. I mean, I think initially I... I mean, when you hear it, it sounds because I think it pulls at the heartstrings of compassion yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. you know, you the, l- you're you're loving people or th- this is really what humility is in understanding that the oppressed and the poor have this, you know, way of interpreting scripture that's better than yours or, or more nuanced, um, an understanding that you can't have. And so I think mm-hmm. it pulls on these kind of Christian virtues. And so it can feel very confusing. Mm-hmm. And so I think initially I felt very much like, well, maybe this is right, because mm-hmm. like, you know, mm. we're talking about humility and, you know, Jesus does really minister to the poor and the oppressed and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it really preaches against materialism. And so, like, maybe this is, you know, right. And so I think, you know, at, you know, the phrase white guilt, I think, mm. starts to enter in in that context for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I felt a lot of internal just confusion <laughs> and angst yeah. over maybe I've been doing this wrong this whole time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Wow. Did you feel guilty, Anna Avery? Did you feel guilty for the color of your skin, something that you know you you can't change and had no control over? Yes, I, I did feel guilty for the color of my skin. Um, and, and it's interesting, too, in even realizing it and looking back on it, because I felt guilty, but it wasn't like there was an option or solution presented to me for mm. that Come guilt. On. Wow. It was just like, oh my you are guilty. <laughs> um, and, and like, there's nothing that can be done. And so, yes, I, I did mm. initially have, have feelings of guilt. Yeah. Man. So did you also come, I mean, look, I'm just telling you this. <laughs> I, we've got this segment and we got one more and, and we could, cause there's so much that we can roll out in this, even before you get to the place where you even begin to try to offer solutions, just understanding the problem is so deep. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, there's so much there. So here you are, you're in class 
And not only do you realize, and, and I'm using realize lightly, okay, but you you are told to realize that because of the color of your skin, there is a flaw in the way you will read scripture, yeah. okay? You're going to read scripture differently because of the color of your skin, which is um, also connected to privilege that you have. Yeah. Um, well, let me just stop there for a second. So you start to feel guilty, hmm about the color of your skin and you start to think maybe, you know, maybe I do have a different way of seeing things and maybe there is a different way to read scripture. Do you also start to get a glimpse of your privilege because of the color of your skin? Yes. I mean, I think that that conversation was very closely tied together between guilt mm -hmm. and privilege. Um, and, and that was very much a part of the conversation in talking about liberation theology um, and the concept of the oppressed and um, the, the intrinsic biases that I would have because of my privilege in coming to scripture that would disallow me or prevent me from being able to read certain texts. Wow. So yeah, I, I definitely got that, that sense of privilege hand in hand with so, the guilt. So were there uh, discussions between you and your classmates about these mm -hmm. uh, things you were, were learning and what was there like a, oh man, like an aha moment for even your classmates that do they feel the same way? Like, man, maybe, you know, we are wrong in this and we've been doing this wrong and we have this privilege. What were uh, there those conversations? Yes, there were those conversations, but you know, I think it was, it was very much like as this ideology was presented to us of privilege, it, we just kind of accepted it. Like, I'm going to be mm -hmm. honest, like for myself, oh, like it yeah. was very confusing for me. And so mm -hmm. I was like, I think this, this has to be right because it's playing on these certain emotions. Like mm -hmm. I said, of humility and compassion yeah. and love. And so, um, I think there was discussion, but it, it, we very much kind of submitted to what it. was being laid out. Yeah. 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 Mm. Wow. Cause there's, is, is there any space? Like, you know, I would imagine that, and, and I love the way you put that, Anna Avery, that it's playing on some specific emotions that the Lord has given us these emotions that we would live for his glory. Right. Yes. So these emotions Amen. are not wrong. Yeah. But when those emotions get manipulated and played upon, man, the result can be dire. And so here you are, you find yourself in a situation where you're not racist, as we commonly call it. Or let me just say it this way, not given to partiality based on a person's skin color, but you're thinking if I reject what is being taught to me or if I have a question or if I raise an objection, mm -hmm. then automatically you're seen as racist, correct? Correct. And and I wow. would say that the people who did speak out mm -hmm. um, very boldly against some of these ideas were personified a certain way wow. um, as being mm. like, kind of backwards or being racist or, you know, not being progressive, wow. not being intellectuals. And I think it's difficult because, you know, my professors are coming from Harvard and Yale and mm -hmm. Duke and all these top tier Ivy League schools. And so you're like, of course, mm -hmm. they know more than me. <laughs> of mm -hmm. course, you know, like I uh -huh. must be the wrong in the wrong in this situation. And because I'm white, like, and I'm being taught by a black man, like he, you know, <laughs> it's kind of taught in this way that, if you, you know, have white skin, like you can't speak into the conversation mm. because you're white and you oh have privilege. <laughs> and mm. so <laughs> you just need to listen, um, which I, you know, and it, and it's like, 
we do need to listen. Mm-hmm. And, and like that is, an, that is so important. And I think these problems that we're experiencing do get solved around tables and in community and in relationship with people. But the silencing of certain people's voices, right. you know, just for their skin color right. is where it started getting really confusing for me. Yeah. yeah. Bullseye. <laughs> That's the bullseye. I love, I, look, I love the way you put that because we do need to listen. Yes. Mm-hmm. All of us. This is, if, if there is a grievance that we have, right? I mean, the scripture lays this out for us, how we are to deal with one another, how right. we are to love one another. But there is nowhere in scripture where you're going to see that there are certain people who are commanded to love. You understand what I'm saying? And be quiet, right? Yeah. And the others are commanded to love and talk. Yeah. Right. You people get to express you. You people who have been hurt, you guys get to say what your grievance is and everybody else has to listen. You don't see that in scripture. And yet and yet this is what is right now, as we speak, still proliferating and it's spreading through the church. Um, My question is, when you guys got together and I love what Will asked about sort of like, you know, as students, you get together and you're talking about this with, you know, those who are maybe conflicted, are there people who among themselves are saying there is no biblical support for this or is it just I don't like the way this makes me feel? Hmm. That's a good question. That is a good question. Um, I think I had very few friends who were really like able to draw it back to there is no biblical support because it's so interesting because the class, it is a theology class. And so a scripture mm. is being engaged. The Bible is being engaged. It's just the way in which it's being engaged is from such a certain, it's, it's, it's the ideology before the scripture. And so scripture, yes. it's, it's not, or, or it's, a means to an end, not an end in itself. Maybe that would be a better way to mm-hmm. frame it. But um, mm-hmm. so I would say that there were certain people who who were able to push back and kind of see through it. But I think the the waters got so muddied because scripture was so closely in dialogue hmm. with it, but not seeing how it was manipulated or used as a means to promote a certain ideology or agenda um, became, yeah, challenging for students, I would say. Wow. You see, and I think that this is why Paul was so incensed at the Galatian Christians, because the Judaizers came down and what they were doing is trying to present to these Christians another gospel, right? Mm. And they were getting as close to the original as they could possibly get and, and, and go undetected, but they were adding just this one element, but you've got to also do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so here you've got the Galatians who are like, yeah, okay, well, we'll, we'll do that because we feel like that must be right. And it sounds like what Paul said. And so much so that Paul had to come back and say, there is no other gospel. Mm. If I come to you or an angel from heaven and present to you something different than what I originally presented to you, let him be a curse. And he's so emphatic about it that he says it again. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm hearing Mm. this come from you, Anna Avery, I'm like, you know, Lord help us because what is happening in our churches today, and we're talking about a Christian university right now, what's happening in our schools, obviously it's happening in secular schools, is that the gospel is under attack. Mm. When you tell a person that there is a different way to interpret scripture and that interpretation will be based solely on the color of your skin, then what you're doing now is removing the author from the book. 
Mm. Right? Because the Holy Spirit authored the book. So it is his prerogative to tell us how to understand and how to interpret the book. That's not based on someone's gender or the color of someone's skin or someone's lived experience. Mm -hmm. And yet this is what we see infiltrating the church. And, And I say infiltrating. It has infiltrated. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. This is Woke Conversation. That's what we're having. Stay right there. In my brokenness, you are close to me. In my weakness, in my strength, you are highly lifted up. You sit high up on the throne. You are God. You are God. God alone. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Man, this time has gone by so quickly. I know. Um, woke conversations today. <laughs> Uh, we are talking with our sister and friend, Anna Avery Edwards. And I, man, I'm telling you, even look, I think that this is achieving something that us just talking about what it is to be woke or talking about yeah. class consciousness and all of this stuff and the struggle. Um, I think this achieves something far greater than yeah. us just doing that. And and that was that's what I had hoped it would do. Anyway, Real life welcome back. example. Yeah. Real life example. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, and, and where our focus is um, most important. Right. Mm-hmm. The church. Mm-hmm. Real life example of this affecting the church. Right. Um, anyway, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was Darius James with You Are God Alone. So, again, Anna Avery is our guest, and uh, she is a college student, and we invited her on. uh, She's on break, and we invited her on the show today um, to talk about critical race theory and what it really looks like for it to infiltrate our schools, our universities. Now, listen, the reason I think it's so important to have a college student on who is at a Christian university is because if we say even a Christian university, we don't even need to talk about what's happening in a secular university. (laughs) I mean, we don't even need to touch it because (laughs) if this is happening at a Christian university, then you know that what is happening on a secular campus is amplified. It is it is multiplied even. So we don't even need to touch that. What we're focusing right now on how critical race theory, the way we are taught to interpret the scriptures and relate to one another, the way it is affecting the body of Christ. And man, I, I, I'm so grateful because I feel like Anna Avery's really given us a peek into what this looks like. Um, Anna Avery, before we went to the break, you know, we were talking about conversations among your peers and um, just sort of wrestling with the feelings and the manipulation of your emotions. Um, I have one other question for you. As you were wrestling with this, and because the aim is that you would walk away woke, mm-hmm. right? that you yeah. would see things differently, Um, certainly see yourself differently. Um, As you were exposed to this, increasingly so, did you have conflicting emotions as it relates to your parents? Like, did you look at them and think, Mm. you know, man, there's so much they just don't know. Did you feel yourself sort of like um, an excuse, uh, woking? Like, were you (laughs) (laughs) getting more and more woke? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally had conflicting emotions when it came to my parents. And I, I remember coming home for a break and started some of these conversations and 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 was very um yeah, just I think expressing my confusion in ways and and 
and made them probably feel as if I were <laughs> calling them ignorant or in some way. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, which they did not super appreciate um, but <laughs> at all. Um, but yes, I, I think I did um, have some hard conversations with them um, that, that really didn't get fully solved until mm. I talked with you, Miki, actually. Oh, and, really? And you, well, you really brought me back to the gospel and the centrality mm. of Jesus oh, and the God. supremacy of Jesus. Wow, glory and like to God. What, what it means that in him all things consist, make sense. Like mm. he is the lens through which we must read everything and he is the only solution. And when we start looking for solutions outside of scripture, outside of the gospel, outside of him, then that's when things start disintegrating and we have this counterfeit love, this counterfeit answer, this counterfeit peace or justice that's not really rooted in him, rooted mm-hmm. in the gospel. And so, yeah, there definitely was that tension, though, for a while, um, mm-hmm. yeah, of just being really confused and that veil kind of being pulled over my eyes um, wow. in conversation with my parents, yeah. Man, you know, and I ask you that, Anna Avery, because specifically I'm thinking of our brother Todd from Friday, you yeah. know, who says, yeah. I've got a daughter who, I mean, has really turned on us and she sees yeah. us as racist and 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 I'm just trying to kind of set us up to be able to speak generally although specifically because when you've got a college student you know and and you know this right you go off to school you leave your family loving them so much yeah, <laughs> right totally. and then you come back and you're kind of looking at them through this prism where you're like I don't know who you people are. You guys don't love people, right? (laughs) And you're, you're not aware of your privilege. You're not aware that you exist in a world that is for you and no one else. And so that can cause a tension. I'm wondering if there is an encouragement or if there is something specific that you in this position might offer to Todd and other parents who are listening who may be having the same kinds of conversations with their college students. Yeah, well, I think, you know, speaking from my experience, I think I think for me there was a false dichotomy presented of you're either all bought into this ideology, which means that you are totally against any form of justice when it comes to race, like you don't care about issues of justice or race whatsoever, um, and like that is the side that you have to be on, or you're just a, you know, backwoods conservative, and I think... Mm. At, it's 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 really kind of pulling the weeds back and being able to view it from a Christian perspective of what am I called to as simply a follower of Jesus? His throne is founded on righteousness and justice. Amen. So it is not a total disregard for right. justice. It is he, he is the author of justice in mm-hmm. him is justice Amen. and it is it is going to him first as the one who contains the answers and so i think it's it's both acknowledging that real injustice does exist in this broken and fallen world that we That's live right. and we can hold that and still not adhere to culture who is telling us that the answer for that injustice is in the world, is in the system of critical race theory or or white guilt or whatever it may be, but that it is actually found in him. And I think, you know, really I needed to be met with 
a reminder of what the gospel is and what it what it actually means and the power of it because I think it's easy to just become disillusioned and to forget and so I think and and the and and also as well those counterfeit forms of love and compassion mm-hmm. being exposed for what they are that aren't founded in the truth of the gospel mm-hmm. and so yeah i would just encourage this dad to continue to remain open to conversations and continue to respond in truth and compassion to his daughter um mm-hmm. and to pray hard <laughs> um yeah. because yeah. the lord like he will open her eyes um if she is truly a christian you know mm-hmm. yeah he, that's right. He he will do it. Um, so that that would be my encouragement. Man, that's mm, so good. Awesome. You know it, it, what's amazing to me is that um, what I hear coming from you is that the greatest solution to what was kind of plaguing you at the time and what you were wrestling with and not sure about and thinking maybe yeah this is this is true. It seems that the remedy was the gospel. Yeah. And to say it simply, what you're saying is is that the gospel truly is enough. Yes. And and when when we get back to the gospel, um, it's it's like all of our arguments, like our need to go to these thick books. Like I, I have these books, you know, as you know, and I, I've researched this and I'm, you know, because it's a very academic thing. Yes. Right. So I've got to put myself in a position of like delving into all of the academics. But at the end of the day, the book that we need is the word of God rightly interpreted, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Not through a gender lens or a color lens. Yes. Right. But as the Lord intended for us to read it, and that's, that's enough to reset us, isn't it? Yes. Amen. It is. So here's my question. Um, Once you hit this point where you feel like, okay, yes, we, we need a reset here. And, um, the gospel is sufficient for us. Uh, there, there is no new gospel. We don't need new philosophies or new ideologies. Mm. Uh, we don't need today's version of Gnosticism, yes. right? Because isn't it? It's, it's a it's a special knowledge that certain people are claiming, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, so so once we get to the point where we're like, no, we're going to resist the Gnostics, and this is not the first time Christians have had to do this. My question for you is this, Anna Avery: What does it look like for you? to go back to your campus um, and to lovingly oppose first your peers. And, and I, you know, I wouldn't even put you on the spot and say your professors, because I, I mean, look, I was a college student. That's not something easily done. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because like, there, there are some people that are like superheroes that they have this different recollection of their college days. Yeah. Because I stood up and I. Yeah, you yeah. didn't. You probably did. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some of them did. But but especially with your peers, like in your everyday conversations. Have you found a way to even maybe get them back to what is important? The, the supremacy of the gospel? Yeah. I mean, I think I think. It really comes down to just conversations that are had around tables mm-hmm. or just, you know, as we're processing and these ideologies are coming out. Mm-hmm. It it is it is really what you did with me, Miki, and that is a simple reorientation to Jesus and the gospel and that he really is the answer. And so it looks like I think when we're having these conversations and he's not there, like Jesus isn't in the room, he's not present in the conversation, mm-hmm. but we're talking about it in these Christianese terms. Come I think on. it's it's pausing and being like, 
where where is Jesus in this? Where is the <gasps> so gospel good. in this? Like yeah. he is the solution. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so that must be the foundation from which we're talking. Like we can't lay any foundation other than the one already laid, right? Mm-hmm. Which is Christ. Mm-hmm. And so That's building right. from there instead of starting with critical race theory and and building up from human reason to, mm. oh, maybe we can add Jesus in here now, um, that it on. fits in. And so I think just trying to reorient the conversation to, have we started with him and are we ending with him? Amen. Or are we starting somewhere totally different? Oh, oh that is good. so good. Yes. I, I know, Anna Avery, that the Lord has called you to ministry. And I know that that is your passion, your heartbeat, your love for Jesus first and people, right? And that people would hear the gospel and come to full repentance. I'm wondering, um, as you look at your peers and some of your peers are also um, going to go into ministry. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have concern for the church over which the Lord Jesus Christ presides? Do you, are you concerned about that? Yes, I I am concerned because I think um I think you know even going back to Colossians 1 it's like we've lost the preeminence of him of mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I think I I I find myself concerned because I find people going into ministry out of a foundation of knowledge and intellectualism mm. and ideology other than because they are seeking to love God. Mm. Um, and I, I do find that problematic. Like I think everything has to come back to the love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it does seem very concerning to me when I see other motivations that are playing into that. And, and I don't see people um, constantly coming back to worship, constantly mm-hmm. coming back to him at the center. Um, yeah, because I, I think that these ideologies are infiltrating, um, obviously, Christian schools, but but the church as well. So, mm. Is the church going to look different if we continue on the way that we're going, if we are producing ministers, um, if we're producing pastors and leaders who have adopted critical race theory uh, and based on your observation, Anna Avery, is the church is the church going to look different? I do think it will look different. You know, I was reading in First Corinthians this morning and just thinking about the the wisdom of the world and how it is foolishness, um, and and then the wisdom of Christ, Christ crucified, which is a Amen. stumbling block to others. Mm-hmm. And so I think in looking at what we are presenting um, as the wisdom of the world and and building our lives on this, like we are getting away from the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. we might have the form of godliness that denies the power. Um, so wow. that's where I think that the church could be headed if we continue, you know, down this direction. Man, there is so much more um, that we could discuss, but we are out of time. We've come to the end of the show. I I do think that maybe tomorrow, um, just for the sake of some of our listeners who are like, man, this has really stirred me. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm curious to know a little bit more, like, where has the philosophy come from Um, since we've had the impact? You know, we talk about what it looks like uh, to be taught that you are inferior because we say that you think you're superior. <laughs> okay. Mm. Right. Like that's, that's basically what is being taught to our kids um, all across this country. And certainly at the collegiate level, this is the world that we are living in as Christians. Mm. This is the world that our kids are growing up in. 
we've got to fortify them. And so I think if you tune in tomorrow, what we'll do is kind of do a little bit of a, I don't even want to call it a dive, you know, because some of it can, can be a little bit overwhelming. But what I really want the body of Christ to understand is that we are in a spiritual battle. Yeah. There is a war going on yeah. and the enemy is not playing like pity pack. Come on. You know mm. what I mean? Like the enemy is really trying to destroy. <laughs> he's playing for keeps mm-hmm. and he's trying to destroy the body of Christ. He's mm. trying to splinter the church. And we have got to stand against that, not in our own strength, That's but right. we've got to stand against that in the spirit of God. Mm. Like knowing that the Lord has equipped us to stand in this day and this hour that we're living in. Anna Avery, thank you so much for carving out this time on your break to join us for this conversation. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, well, tomorrow we'll take a little look, just a little look Mm -hmm. at critical race theory, its origin, and you've already seen and heard the effects. So tomorrow we'll kind of go work our way back to where it came from. Um, We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.